feels less like an election, more like a going out of business sale. Doesn't it? All rules must go in America. If you're a black voter in a red state, you better get in line now. I'm sorry to put it that way. But... Yeah. Yeah, good idea. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Oh, what do you know? They're lining up I in Georgia. Already. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. For six hours. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. I'm sure everything's fine. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego. 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. We're also heard in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI. Round Mountains, KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. Down in New Orleans on WHIV. Out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. Up in Seattle on KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you on the Internet. on the Progressive Voices Channel. Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Deprogrammed Radio, Bird and Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me... From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today. I had planned, at least until late last night, to cover a whole bunch of voting news today, along with the opening day of the illegitimate Senate Judiciary Committee hearings to ram through the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, that is Donald Trump's U.S. Supreme Court nominee to fill the vacated seat of the late progressive icon Ruth Bader Ginsburg, And they want to do it all before Election Day. It will be, if successful, the the latest a Supreme Court nominee has ever been placed on the bench before a presidential election. That after Senate Republicans blocked for an entire year Barack Obama's 2016 nomination of Merrick Garland to replace Justice Antonin Scalia, who died in February of that presidential election year. The Republicans blocked it at the time on the basis that it was just too close to an election to to put someone new on the bench. The American people, they deserve to have a voice in choosing the next Supreme Court justice. So they made the people wait 237 days. Yep. Now they're making them wait five minutes, apparently. (laughs) Hi, Desi Doyen. Hi. Uh, Today, uh, with more than 10 million votes already cast in the 2020 general presidential election 
Republicans began their confirmation hearings led by Judiciary Committee uh, Chair Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who said back in 2016 famously that it would now be for sure absolutely a new rule in the U.S. Senate that no Supreme Court nominee would ever be considered during a presidential election year and that voters could hold him to those words. That hypocritical liar, Lindsey Graham, opened the hearings today with his plans to seat Barrett on the highest court in the land just days before Election Day so that, yes, she can rule on behalf of the Trump campaign in any election-related matters that may come before the court, and that so that she can be seated in time to hear the Republicans' case hoping to strike down the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, in its entirety along with protections for those with pre-existing conditions and subsidized health care insurance for some 30 million Americans, all of this in the middle of a pandemic, which was kicked into high gear at the White House about two weeks ago by the president himself during a super spreader event announcing Amy Coney Barrett's nomination, where more than two dozen people at least became infected with the virus. So I was going to cover that today. But as it is illegitimate, uh, in my opinion, an illegitimate exercise in the U.S. Senate, and pretty much everyone else is on it today, and more importantly, we had some other very big breaking news over the past 12 hours or so that likely only I will be covering at all over your public airwaves, including a much-anticipated ruling in a long-running court case re- uh, regarding the 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in the battleground state of Georgia. We have been waiting for this ruling now for, for weeks, for months, uh, and guess what, by the way, uh, those uh, touchscreen voting systems in the battleground state of Georgia, they are already failing again today on the very first day of early voting in the Peach State, in a state with not only a very close presidential election this year, by the way, but with n- not one, but two U.S. Senate races on the ballot. So, yeah, I'm going to put off my coverage of Barrett for another day, if at all, to focus on what you will not hear anywhere else, unfortunately. And we will be joined shortly by the plaintiff in that long-running court case uh, where the ruling came down late last night. We have been following that case closely on this program now for years as it affects Georgia and as it affects similar uh, voting systems, unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices in other Swing states like Pennsylvania, specifically Philadelphia, as well as Democratic-leaning counties in North Carolina, in Ohio, in Texas, and yes, even here in Los Angeles, where voters at the polling place are now similarly required to use 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, not unlike those forced on voters in Georgia. But we'll, So we will get to that, and we will get to the plaintiff uh, momentarily. Uh, in that ruling. But to get there, we need to start with an update on my reporting from Thursday's show, Thursday's broadcast. This was before Nicole Sandler sat in for us on Friday. Thank you very much, by the way, Nicole. Uh, So we broke the news on Thursday about a two-week-old tweet of mine uh, on Twitter, where you can find me at TheBradBlog, that got me suspended last Thursday from Twitter. 
Now, it's it was kind of an amazing uh, story because it was a two-week-old tweet. I woke up on Thursday. We talked about this uh, a little bit, Des, on Thursday on the show. Right. Um, and found that my account, the Brad blog, had been blocked. Initially, they said, well, for 12 hours, as long as I delete uh, what was a 100%, what is a 100% accurate tweet that I had posted two weeks earlier on this federal uh, case in Georgia, specifically on a federal court filing that had an emergency federal court filing that had just been filed after the Secretary of State's office notified all 159 counties in the state that, guess what, there was what they thought to be a problem with the states, uh, with with the uh, the databases, the data that is used for all of the races, all of the candidates that goes onto those voting systems, all thirty four thousand ballot marking device touchscreens. And the system can't work without those databases. Correct. Yeah. And they they discovered, oh, we found an error in there that is preventing Senate candidates, U.S. Senate candidates, from showing up on the screen in some cases. For some voters. Now, that's a pretty big deal. It was just uh, about two weeks before early voting was to start. And it was, as I said, in this, uh, for some reason, controversial tweet. I said, quote, 39 days until Election Day and the entire state of Georgia does not have a single working database for any of the 159 counties where the Georgia Secretary of State has forced every one of them to use a new, untested, 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system, adding just un-effing believable. Because of that tweet, Twitter told me, I either had to delete it or uh, I would be unallowed, I would be disallowed from using uh, from using Twitter. They said that it was misleading election information. Except it was accurate. It was 100% accurate. Okay. It was perfectly accurate. And it was based on a court filing. It was based on the court filing that had just taken place hours before this emergency a court filing that was filed on Friday night in Georgia in federal court in a case called Curling v. Kemp which is this long-running suit uh, with uh, plaintiff Marilyn Marx's uh, Coalition for Good Governance.org. Yes, she will be joining us shortly. Um, it, it, it was based on a statement, an announcement, a, a notice to all of the election officials in all of those counties from Chris Harvey, the election director in the Secretary of State's office. And he said, uh, and, and it's quoted, and by the way, I quoted, I linked to the federal court filing, this emergency filing. Uh, in which the uh, announcement from Chris Harvey says, among other things, we found out that there is an error in the November database, which will require every county to get a new database for the November 3, 2020 election. This will uh, not have an impact on absentee ballot processing, he said. He said, I'm very sorry to have to tell you this. I know that everyone's working hard uh, to prepare. We will do everything we can to minimize the, uh, the delay this will cause, noting that we don't want you to waste time doing testing that will have to be redone with a new database. And that led, of course, to my tweet, letting the world know about this. Uh, after the plaintiffs had let the the federal judge know about this, who was about to release her ruling on whether 
these uh, flawed touchscreen ballot marking devices, or BMDs, that they have just purchased in Georgia for every county, whether they should be used in the election or whether they should be replaced, as cybersecurity experts and voting systems experts have strongly recommended, replaced with hand-marked paper ballots or not. So we thought we were about to get a ruling in that. And so the plaintiffs sent this emergency request for a hearing. The hearing took place on uh, that Monday, just two days after my tweet, at which time the state actually said, no, no, it's not the database that's the problem after all. It turns out it's the entire system software. We need to wipe every machine in the state of Georgia and install brand new software that has not yet even been certified by the state of Georgia, much less the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission. So I think, you know, I think that tweet was on pretty good uh, grounds, and they allow you at Twitter uh, the right to appeal their decision, making me delete this tweet. So I appealed it. Now, what we find is that to make your appeal, you get 124 characters. You don't even get 248 like you get in a tweet. You get half that much. So good luck trying to make your case in 124 characters. But I did, including a link to this emergency court filing that showed this email that shows everything that I said was accurate. About, oh, I don't know, eight hours later or so, I got a message back from Twitter saying uh, they've reviewed my appeal. Appeal denied. Uh you still have to right. delete this inaccurate tweet with misleading information. Misinformation. The accurate tweet that they're calling inaccurate with correct information that they're calling misleading correct. information. So uh, I couldn't, mind you, I can't use Twitter at all during this time that I am appealing. I can't read my own tweets. I can't tweet to anybody. I can't retweet. I can't uh, do direct messages, DMs, uh, you know, with sources. I can't gather news. I can't report news. I can do nothing other than wait for the appeal. Well, the appeal... Came back, as I said, about eight hours later. They said, nope, sorry, you're out of luck. So either delete the tweet or you can appeal again if you like. So what did I do? Yes, I appealed again. <laughs> this time, however, they did not reply in eight hours. They did not reply in 12, 24, 48, 72 hours are going by. I cannot do any work at all on Twitter. Luckily, we already had a guest host plan for Friday's show. So that made it made things a little bit easier. But I, 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 that was it. I was out of luck. And I could not even respond to tell people what was going on. Uh, it was a nightmare in short. And by uh, Sunday night, well, I gave up. I said, I have no choice at this point. I relented and I deleted the tweet because I cannot keep waiting. I have to get back to work. You deleted the accurate tweet that that contained accurate information based on a court filing. Correct. Now, as I noted on Thursday, I find this to be a very troubling situation. I find it not just because I was uh, uh, suspended from Twitter for so long, but I have never been comfortable. I've talked about it on the show. I'm not comfortable when they're, you know, they suspend right-wingers with their misinformation. This was demonstrably true. But the idea that these huge corporations that have so much power to do so-called fact-checking and apparently aren't really doing fact-checking, but, you know, have the power to basically make people disappear entirely has always been very unsettling for me. And now, of course, we see firsthand as to why. Now, I talked to uh, some folks throughout uh, all of this going on. 
One source mentioned that she understands that Twitter is now working with election officials to try to avoid misinformation in the run-up to the election. Problem is, if they're working with election officials, some of those election officials, for example, the ones in Georgia, are liars. And they make stuff up. And they don't tell the truth. And the Secretary of State's office, Brad Raffensperger, uh, as the federal judge in this case found, uh, has been reporting one lie after another after another. For example, they told the court in this case during that emergency hearing that this change they had to make to the software, that they had to reinstall on every voting system in the state, it was a so-called de minimis change, meaning it's a minimal, minimal change, and that therefore the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission allows them to go ahead and make these changes without having to go through a full testing, a full certification regime. Problem was... um, We don't know if that change to the software was actually de minimis, but what we do know, based on uh, the hearings thereafter in the federal court, the state of Georgia lied to the court about when they applied to the EAC to get this permission for this de minimis certification. They just made stuff up. So Georgia election officials make stuff up. Uh, Some of you may recall uh, a couple of years ago, the uh, Alabama Secretary of State, John Merrill, he made stuff up. He went on CNN on election night back in 2017 and lied. And when I asked him about why he was misrepresenting his own state's voting systems to the public, well, he blocked me on Twitter. Illegally, by the way. But the point here is that election officials do not always tell the truth. And the best election officials in the world will tell you that no, election officials do not always tell the truth. Don't believe them. Make them prove their case. Make it so that you can have public oversight of your own elections and you don't have to trust in any election officials. And here, if Twitter is working with election officials to avoid misinformation about elections on Twitter, which in theory is a good idea, that's great. Only problem is, if they're dealing with dishonest, lying election officials, perhaps like the ones in Georgia, and I don't know if that's what was behind this or not. I couldn't tell you. Well, then we have a serious problem. And we do have a serious problem because uh, we are three weeks away now uh, from the most critical election in the history of this nation. And uh, me, one of the few people in the nation who actually reports on concerns about voting systems, was shut out from Twitter like that for three, four days. There was nothing I could do other than remove accurate information. That's a very uh, chilling reminder right now for where we are and what this situation is. Uh, I'm quite concerned about it, where it goes from here. And, um, well, I just wanted to let you know about it. Because uh, I'm not the only one, apparently, this is happening to. Jenny Cohen, another election integrity advocate on Twitter, says that uh, her name, her tweets, are no longer showing up in searches. Really? For some reason. Wow. And she's like a powerhouse, central clearinghouse of information on Twitter. Yep. So uh, this is disturbing. I want you to know about it. Uh, I want to get it out there on the record that this happened. You can read all the details. I have everything well documented, uh, including links to federal court cases, making the case. You can go to bradblog.com and see uh, my story about uh, being suspended by Twitter. 
Um, you should know this is happening, particularly if I disappear from Twitter for uh, <laughs> a few days. That would be yeah. why. Uh, so in the meantime, uh, while I've been blocked, at least in this case, had to re- delete a perfectly valid tweet, blocked from reporting actual demonstrable alarming news about a long-running, ongoing federal court case on Twitter, including very serious breaking news from that case that, uh, you know, that, that could have an effect on the ruling by the U.S. District Judge hearing that case, whose ruling we have been waiting for any second over the past several weeks. Amid all of that, late, late on Sunday night, as I had finally relented to Twitter and deleted my accurate tweet in question regarding that case, the federal judge came down with her ruling. As election law professor Rick Hassan of UC Irvine headlined the 150-page ruling late last night on his election law blog, he said, quote, breaking, federal district court finds major security flaws with Georgia's voting machines, heavily criticizing state and manufacturer, but, he adds, denies preliminary injunction because it is too late to grant such relief for November. Yes, as early voting begins today on those very machines in the great state of Georgia, the court finds um, that those systems that they are using contain major security flaws. The lead plaintiff in that case, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance, is here to explain it all for you and for me, live, exclusively, apparently, next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Georgia. Georgia, the whole day through, whole day through. the whole election Just year through. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Eager Georgia voters swarmed to polling places on Monday morning, waiting in lines created by high turnout and, wait for it, you'll be shocked to hear, technical Problems at the start of three weeks of early voting before Election Day, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which headlined its story, heavy turnout and glitches 
Mark, start of early voting in Georgia. Yes, again with the glitches. glitches. Boy, they just love to downplay those failures, don't they? They are failures. Failures with computerized voting systems when they happen during elections, preventing voters from being able to cast their vote. They are not actually glitches. They are failures. Uh, But they're glitches, according to the bulk of our nation's media, hiccups, glitches, snags, snafus, that's all they are, minimized so as not to alarm anybody and to allow the private voting system vendors who have taken over our elections to continue to make the same glitches election after election after election and cause expensive, unnecessary voting uh, computers and tabulators and electronic poll books that, you know, ain't going to just buy themselves. Voters filled parking lots and prepared for delays as they locked in their choices in advance of November 3, the AJC reports today. A glitch with voter check-in computers held up voters at Georgia's largest early voting site at State Farm Arena. Lines uh, stopped after voters received a, quote, invalid card error when inserting voter access cards into the touchscreens. Yes, the same error in in largely African-American districts that caused long lines in Georgia's primaries uh, back in June, I think it was, using their new 100% unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices, or BMDs, which rely on electronic poll books to sign voters in. All, by the way, not unlike the brand new 100% unverifiable touchscreen BMDs that voters here in Los Angeles County are now forced to use. Also for the first time in this critical election year. Of course, in Georgia, that state is now a battleground for the presidency and not one, but two U.S. Senate seats this year. AP further reports that eager voters endured waits of six hours or more in Cobb County, which was once solidly Republican but has voted for uh, Democrats in recent elections and joined lines that wrapped around polling places in solidly Democratic DeKalb County as well. Furthermore, uh, I've received uh, at least one report uh, today about other missing races on election ballots in Georgia. Haven't confirmed those yet, so we'll see if it was uh, if there's a pattern here. But Adrian Crowley, who waited an hour and a half to vote at State Farm Arena, said it was uh, arena said it was a little frustrating. But she said she did not even think about getting out of line. She said I would have voted all day if I had to. Many voters may just have to do exactly that, given the flawed, unverifiable, easy-to-manipulate, $100 million-plus systems that Georgia is forcing for the first time this year on voters after a federal court judge last year found their 20-year-old touchscreen system made by uh, Diebold. They finally found that after 20 years to be unsecure, unverifiable, and therefore unconstitutional. And rather than replace them... With cheaper, verifiable handmarked paper ballots, as voting systems and cybersecurity experts begged the state to do, the Republican Secretary of State there, Brad Raffensperger, insisted on the new unsecure, unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices made by the Canadian firm Dominion Voting System and required every county in the state, all 159 of them, to use them in this critical general election year. Poll workers had to reboot all of the arena's 60 voter check-in tablets uh, in Fulton County. This is uh, Atlanta. 
and re-import voter information on the first day of early voting, according to Fulton County's uh, election director, Richard Barron. Similar problems with check-in computers used for the first time, you may recall, here in Los Angeles last March also caused hours-long lines at the polls, and that was before the pandemic struck hard. Things are even more difficult now. The Fulton County election director said, we apologize to all the voters. Well, at least it's early voting, not Election Day proper. So if folks can't afford to wait for hours today, maybe they can come back and wait for hours tomorrow or find a different voting center in their county without such long lines. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe there's still time for them to request a mail-in ballot so that they can record their votes on hand-marked paper and deliver it in person, thus improving the odds that their votes will actually be counted as cast. Given the huge flaws of the state's new touchscreen ballot marking devices in Georgia, as revealed on this program over the past several years. And once again, late last night, in a long awaited federal court ruling, about which I have been reporting and tweeting about and being suspended for tweeting about. Um, this case I've been reporting for a very long time. We now have a ruling. U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg, who last year banned the state's old Diebold touchscreens from ever being used again, has been hearing an extension of that same case with plaintiffs arguing that the new systems have many of the same exact problems as the old systems and that voters should be allowed to cast their votes on hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place instead of these oft-failed touchscreen systems. And while we've been covering the case and the plaintiff's complaints for years, Judge Totenberg waited until just last night. The night before early voting was to start on those very same systems the next morning to finally issue her ruling on whether the BMDs would be banned in favor of handmarked paper. Well, the ruling is here, and so is the plaintiff in that case, Marilyn Marks. She co-founded uh, and is the executive director for the Coalition of Good Governance. She's a longtime election integrity advocate who has been joining us for years to discuss this case. Every time there's landmark news in this long-running uh, uh, saga, she joins us again today to discuss the big news that broke Sunday night. Marilyn Marks, welcome back yet again to the broadcast. Thank you so much, Brad. <laughs> I appreciate yours and your listeners' continuing interest in this crazy case. It's crazy. It's and crazy state. It, yeah, and it's not just uh, the state of Georgia. One of the reasons I, as you know, have been so interested in it is because there's a lot of other states that are using systems that are identical or nearly identical. A lot of them in swing states like Philadelphia uh, is using these, uh, North Carolina, Ohio, Texas, and yeah, here in Los Angeles. Uh, but for Georgia, Maryland, hey, the e-poll books failed today on day one of early voting in Atlanta. Are you surprised? <laughs> Not a bit. It was as predicted. Yep. Let me add one more to your to your list, Brad. Yeah. You know who thinks of South Carolina as mm -hmm. a swing state? But yep. you're, are you watching that Senate race? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the U.S. Senate race is close, and that entire state is now voting for the first time in the presidential election on completely unauditable BMDs. Yep. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? I'm sure it'll be fine. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> now, well, Judge Totenberg actually told us 147 pages worth yep. 
of what could go wrong. She sure did. And it was very clear from her uh, 147 pages that she does not like this system. She is very worried about it. But before I get to that, uh, Marilyn, uh, we've got uh, and, and, and the, the news that comes with that. Uh, earlier, we had a ruling from Judge Amy Totenberg about a week or two ago, as I recall, that ordered that polling places must keep paper backups of the poll books the that they have now computerized as right. well. That's good news, considering how often these uh, systems, these electronic poll books, fail. Um, in fact, I think you're in HBO's uh, new uh, documentary, Kill Chain, The Cyber War on American Elections, during a scene in which all of the electronic poll books failed, if I recall, in, in, uh, in Gwinnett County. Um, do you expect that the paper poll book mandate will make a difference in Georgia this year? Well, if they obey the judge's order. Um, that's it. We absolutely pressed hard on this because we know it was the major reason for the long lines that everybody saw on June night coming out of Georgia, right? That the, the poll books had failed. Mm -hmm. There was no way to check people in other than giving the, the thousands and thousands of people provisional ballots or have them wait until the system came back up. Mm -hmm. And um, so we pressed for paper backups of the poll books so that the lines could keep going and people could be checked in, either given a smart card for a BMD, which we hated to see them take, mm -hmm. or a, a hand-marked paper ballot. Um, and, um, you know, um, we had good proof, and the judge judge ordered it. But of all things, what we're finding out, she, she ordered both the paper public backup and she ordered them to have a sufficient number of emergency paper ballots. Mm -hmm. Well, that was at the end of last month. And not surprisingly, not only has the state appealed the order, or they're attempting to appeal the order, but they have not told the counties about the order. So today, there were long lines at polling places. The poll, the, the electronic poll books didn't work uh -huh. in many places. And even at the famous State Farm Arena that's getting all of the attention with a massive resources put to it, they had no emergency paper ballots. So people had to stand in line for hours with um, machines that didn't function. That, and um, uh, so the state not only is going to appeal, but they didn't tell the cops that they did. They have to honor the judge's order. Let me do that. Uh, that is amazing to me that on the day one, well, I shouldn't say it's amazing. It's Georgia. Of course, they didn't follow the court's orders. They don't give a damn. It's just amazing to me. Uh, let me do this. Let me uh, call her right back. Uh, Marilyn, your phone is breaking up a little bit. You got some important stuff I want to make sure you're able to tell us. So we're going to uh, hang up and call you right back. No, we'll, we'll stay with this um, because I want to point out um that uh, that is what caused the problem here in Los Angeles as well, when the electronic poll books failed. Yeah, a lot of the touchscreen voting systems also failed uh, back during our March uh, Super Tuesday primary. But it was also the... Um, the uh, the electronic poll books, these new touchscreen systems that you now need in order to make the touchscreen voting systems work. 
And you need those touchscreen voting systems in order to print out a paper ballot, which are then run through a third computer, an optical scanner, because apparently in America, unlike the rest of the world, we can't do anything by hand. We can't fill in a ballot, mark it, uh, or even count it. It's all got to be done by computers. And as I said to Marilyn, what could possibly go wrong? Okay, we have Marilyn back. Uh, very good. Uh, Marilyn, the, uh, regarding late last night's uh, very late, uh, the new ruling that came out very late at night, um, I mentioned before the break that UC Irvine's Rick Hassan headlined his coverage, breaking federal district court finds major security flaws with Georgia's voting machines, heavily criticizing state and manufacturer, but denies preliminary injunction because it is too late to grant relief before November. So let's discuss the major security flaws identified by the judge and her um her heavy critique of state officials and the manufacturers of these machines, the Dominion Voting System uh, Company, first. In general, Marilyn, uh, what did the uh, judge, if you can summarize 147 pages, what did the uh, general, uh, what was the general finding by the judge concerning the uh, these new systems? She basically said that she agreed with our experts that they were extremely vulnerable to um, attack and error, and that they are unauditable in terms of the results that they produce, that the, that the results are not auditable, despite what the state argued. And um, in general, she found our uh, experts, uh, who are all nationally recognized, internationally recognized mm-hmm. experts, she found their testimony credible, um, and uh, I'm not quoting her on this, um, but but just it is very clear that the state could find no experts other than vendors, and so they didn't really have independent, you know, experts mm-hmm. who had spent years studying the field and could give an objective view. The only experts they could come up with were vendors of ballot marking devices. Yeah, I was absolutely struck by that, Marilyn. Uh, For example, uh, Mr. Cobb, Jack Cobb, apparently he's the director of the the testing lab that was uh, supposed to certify these systems and supposedly supposed to certify this so-called minimum, minimal, de minimis change that they claim they had to make to every piece of software for every single voting system just weeks ago. That's the thing that got me uh, landed in Twitter jail last week right yeah <laughs> Uh, and uh, so she notes, uh, Mr. Cobb's affidavits uh, address cybersecurity-related matters. His testimony at the injunction hearing plainly indicated that he actually claims no specialized knowledge or background in cybersecurity and did not prove himself uh, and did not himself perform any security risk analysis of the BMD system that is being used by the state of Georgia. Uh, There was claims in his affidavit that he uh, did seem to know something about cybersecurity, but that he actually did no testing and admitted on the stand that, uh, as the judge writes, the state's defendants did not present any independent cybersecurity expert to directly address the cybersecurity issues and risk vulnerabilities of Dominion's systems raised by plaintiffs. So you had the guy who heads up the test lab and you had a guy from Dominion Systems, neither of them apparently experts in cybersecurity and none of them who who tested these systems am i reading that correctly 
you're reading it absolutely correctly, and both of them had to walk back some of their statements. For example, um, I'm sure that you read that um, the, the, the chief guy, the chief scientist at Dominion, claimed that on these QR codes that hold all of the ballot data, mm-hmm. um, that they were encrypted. Oh, they're so safe, they're secure, they're encrypted. Well, some of our experts got out their cell phones and, <laughs> and checked, and of course they were not encrypted. So he had to walk that back, you know, after he had sworn, you know, under penalty of perjury, that it was encrypted. And, um, you know, a, a simple test found out that they, it was not. And so, you know, I think what we see here, Brad, is exactly what you have been talking about for so many years. And that is these systems are put together in a slipshod fashion without security being an important uh, priority at all to these companies. They will say anything. These voting system vendors will say anything. And unfortunately, many of our election officials who are purchasing these systems will repeat and parrot whatever those words are for whatever their reasons. And you begin to wonder, what is it that drives some of these election officials, like Secretary Raffensperger in Georgia, to buy the most expensive and the least auditable equipment? You do got to wonder. And, you know, when you have, as you, as you note, the, the representative from the company itself in federal court telling the federal judge, uh, what amounts to a lie, and we don't know if he just didn't know how his own system works or if he was purposely trying to uh, uh, to mislead the court, but they're telling lies. People like you, Marilyn, I know, and your Coalition for Good Governance.org are out there begging for support, begging for dollars so you yeah. can bring these cases yeah. in states like yeah. Georgia. I have said so many times that, Marilyn, I wish there was 50 of you so you could be in all 50 states making these cases because, in fact, I don't think there's anything all that different. You tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's anything all that different. As I was reading that case last night, 150 pages, they could have been describing the, uh, the, the touchscreen systems that we are now using here in Los Angeles or the ones you mentioned, South Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania. They all have these same problems, and they all apparently have vendors who are willing to uh, and, and state officials who are willing to lie about how safe they are or are not. You're, you're so right. And if there's, if there's good news in the judge's denial of uh, relief for now, for, for November. She did write a very, very solid yet scathing uh, opinion and explained in detail mm-hmm. why these systems are not secure. And so, Brad, I'm hopeful that um, her opinion can spread across you know, uh, certainly Los Angeles and the, and the counties that are using us in Pennsylvania and South Carolina and in my home county of Mecklenburg, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and, and shake up some of the election officials, but maybe most importantly, shake up some of these candidates mm. who are willing to just work their butts off and try so hard to get your vote and then not speak up for having your vote counted the way you intend. And that's, that is just such a shame 
that we don't have the parties and that we don't have the candidates demanding a fair system. Uh, uh, and until, you know, judges' opinions like this mm-hmm. get, get better understood, I fear that we, we still have um, a problem, yeah. a big problem. It, yeah, we, you know, we do. And I blame, I know uh, you, you cite the candidates, and I agree with you. Of course, they're not election experts necessarily and voting systems experts. My uh, biggest complaint is with the media. Uh, who should know better, who do have time to dig into this stuff, to read these court cases and to report on them appropriately so that when, you know, somebody like me tells the truth about them on Twitter, I don't, you know, they can't accuse me of misleading information simply because they're not curious enough to actually read the facts here. Judge Totenberg uh, concludes in her uh, ruling uh, in part, plaintiffs challenge to the state of Georgia's new ballot marking device presents serious system security vulnerability and operational issues that may place plaintiffs and other voters at risk of deprivation of their fundamental right to cast an effective vote that is accurately counted. These risks are neither hypothetical nor remote under the current circumstances. The insularity of the defendants and Dominion's stance here in evaluation and management of the security and vulnerability of the BMD systems does not benefit the public or citizens' confident exercise of the franchise. That is coming from a federal judge the night before those systems that she is talking about are being used for the first time in a presidential election across the state of Georgia. You know, it's kind of funny, Brad, thinking about your being um, in Twitter jail. The, uh, there are statements, there are many statements in the judge's ruling that if you posted them on Twitter and Twitter used the same standard, mm-hmm. those I think would be banned. Yes, right? yes, of course. That's what's that's what's amazing. And, and you know what is the other thing that's amazing here is that I read the entire case. You, you, it seems like she's going to ban these things because she's going on and on about how terrible they are and how terrible the company is and the officials lied and everything else. And then she gets to the end and she says, however, sorry. Uh, it's too late for me to do anything about it. Uh, what what reason? What did you take from her uh, reasoning as to why she is not banning these in favor of handmarked paper ballots at this late hour? Well, I think that you know if we look at what the appeals courts have been doing, and particularly the Eleventh Circuit, um, if we if we look at um, what they have been doing to overturn all sorts of election improvements that have been made by the lower courts, that she probably saw that there could be a lot of turmoil created given the opportunities for the, the higher courts to try to overturn such a ruling, um, and that there would be massive squawking, of course, by the counties that, that they just didn't have time to respond. Now, we think that that is completely overstated. Um, that, that there's certainly plenty of time to simplify the system. And there's always time to stop violating people's constitutional rights. Um, it's never too late for that. Because, as you well know, all they needed to do was remove the complex pieces, the excess computers, and just put a handmarked paper ballot into the scanner. Would have been fine. But, um, you know, I think that um, that the courts these days are overreacting 
to the idea of not making changes too close to the election. And unfortunately, it gives it gives the government kind of a uh, a free a free ticket to violate people's constitutional rights. Yeah, as long as oh, you as long as, as you, long as you're vol- if you, as long as you want to do it near election day, then that's fine. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. As long as you can wait as long as possible. Uh, now, I certainly wish uh, the judge here had made her ruling a lot earlier, knowing that we were running smack dab into election day, uh, and knowing that yeah, counties already have handmarked paper ballots that they use for the absentee ballot system. No reason they couldn't use those uh, at the polling place. Uh, Marilyn, uh, the judge concludes here. Uh, uh, the plaintiff's national cybersecurity experts convincingly present evidence that this is not a question of, quote, might this actually ever happen, but, quote, when it will happen, especially if further protective measures are not taken. Judge Totenberg writes, given the masking nature of malware and the current systems described here, if the state and Dominion, the voting company, simply stand by and say, we have never seen it, the future does not bode well. She writes, electoral dysfunction, cyber or otherwise, should not be desired as a mode of proof. It may well land, unfortunately, on the state's doorstep. The court certainly hopes not. Sounds like she thinks it's uh, going to happen, and yet she is in one sense letting it happen, Marilyn. Well, what we're certainly hoping is that, um, you know, she indicates that eventually we will probably prevail um, in this case. And that what we're looking for is to get her to rule against these machines just as soon as possible. We're, we know we're going to win the case. I say we know. We're confident mm-hmm. we will win the case. We have proven our point. We've proven that they're unconstitutional. We've proven that they're insecure. We've proven that people shouldn't be permitted to vote on them. But what, what the only piece that's missing is how long does it take mm-hmm. for, for the jurisdictions to be prepared to do something simple, like hand out um, hand-marked paper ballots. Yep. It, given, given how important this election is, it is a real shame that we have to put up with these machines this yep. November. Yep. But, but clearly we're going to get rid of them in Georgia, uh, in this court. The only... But, but Brown, I want to plea to, and it maybe, maybe more than just Georgians can do this, but Georgia voters actually still have the, uh, the ability to get handmarked paper ballots in their polling places. And that is because every single county has an election board that has the right to choose paper ballots. When there is a problem with the system, if the system isn't functioning properly, if the system has issues with it, which we have now, we are issues. Every single county can choose to go to a handmarked paper ballot on their own. They don't need the Secretary of State's approval. Well, they're going to have to face his wrath. Marilyn, and I'm sorry, i got to get out here because I'm coming up on a break, but uh, they're going to have to face his wrath if they do. I know Athens-Clark tried to do that. 
Secretary of State threatened to sue the county. Um, and I agree with you. After reading this case, I think the judge will eventually ban these systems. The only question is how many people lose their votes and how many elections get bastardized in the in the process. It took 20 years to get rid of the last system. Marilyn, before I let you go, uh, thank you for your years-long uh, effort on this uh, at uh, coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. Uh, we really need, as I said, 50 of you in 50 states. Is there anything that listeners can do right now to support your efforts as you continue this fight? Oh, yes, we we need to keep the lawyers fed and keep them going. So please go to our website and chip in a few coins and help us keep the lawyers going. We're now overhead, you know, in, in our small little organization, but we've still got to keep the lawyers. You can find Marilyn Marks. For your support. The Marilyn Marks is the executive director of coalitionforgoodgovernance.org. You can find her on the Twitters until they suspend her at Marilyn R. Marks, the number one. Marilyn, thank you for all. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Brad. Stay out of trouble. <laughs> well, I'm working on it. All right, quick break, and we're back with our closing few seconds right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast here in Hotel California. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. I've uh, run over a little bit of time here, so I'm going to have to make this short and sweet. Among the items that I had to put off today... Uh, due to that breaking news out of Georgia, was the incredible fights that are being waged in courts around the country over mail-in ballot drop boxes with the Trump campaign and the Republicans challenging the use of these secure systems for mail-in ballots pretty much in every state in the country at this point. So, yeah, they've gamed the U.S. Postal Service to slow down mail delivery of ballots, and now they're trying to disallow absentee ballots postmarked by Election Day. Uh, but that arrive a few days later. They're trying to stop those from being counted, and they're trying to prevent voters from being able to use drop-off ballot boxes uh, to to make sure you can avoid the, uh, the post office and the deadlines and get them there on time. They're fighting those in court. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the head in the week. But now, out here in Southern California... Metal boxes have been popping up around Southern California in recent weeks, from churches to gun stores to gyms, with a sign on the front saying they are official ballot drop-off boxes. They are not. They are not official. They are not drop boxes, uh, official or otherwise. It is apparently an illegal ruse by the California Republican Party that is putting out these fake drop boxes, asking their voters to drop their ballots into these boxes and, yes, confusing voters. The uh, secretary of state out here in California has said that operating unofficial ballot drop boxes, um, especially those misrepresented as official, is not just misleading to voters. It's a violation of state law. So... 
Yep, the Republicans are doing it again, trying to make you more confused about how to cast your vote. Don't be fooled. Uh, Go to the Secretary of State's website where they have listings of the official, official secure drop boxes at sos.ca.gov slash elections. And uh, here in uh, L.A. County, you can also get a list of those at lavote.net. You can also, in at least in California, drop them off uh, at any polling location, early voting or on Election Day where people are voting. They really want to cause trouble. They really want to screw this up any way they can, and they're doing a good job of it. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more trouble here on the Bradcast. My thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Federico Garcia, to my guest today, Marilyn Marks of Coalition for Good Governance, and to you for listening in. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime at bradblog.com. You can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I'm back. I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you here next time tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.